quote scripture verses that they think are in scripture. Something like, it goes like this. If God is letting me go through this, he must think I'm strong enough to handle it. I heard that from somebody recently. Or, or we say this phrase, God helps those who help themselves. Do you know that those verses oftentimes we think are in scripture aren't in scripture? These are lies. These are not from God. You see, it's okay not to be okay. We don't have to be fake. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to act like we're super Christians. It's okay not to be okay. In fact, God doesn't help those who help themselves. God helps those who can't help themselves. So if you're here today and you feel like you can't help yourself, if you feel helpless, if you feel out of control, if there's things in your life that you're just struggling with, if you remember one thing that I say tonight, just remember, it's okay not to be okay. And in fact, God really likes that part of that, us with that, because that means he can help us, especially when we can't help ourselves. And so what we're going to do tonight, as we close our series in James, we're going to look at James chapter 5. So open your Bibles to James chapter 5, and we're going to look at different ways that God shows us that it's okay not to be okay. And I want to look at a few ways that we can do that with you. So let's start in James 5, verse 13. It says, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Now let's start with the last part. Are any of you happy? Some of you feel okay today, and that's great. Others of you, you don't. But what if I told you you still can be happy? You still can have joy. So often we focus on our circumstances that aren't okay, and we turn our eyes off of Jesus. And he promises even when circumstances are hard, if we turn our eyes to him, we can still have this joy. Because joy is happiness despite the circumstances. How do we get it? we praise. We thank God. We appreciate all that he has given us. Even when life is hard, we have to turn to God and say, but God, you're still good, and you're still blessing me, and I should be grateful for the things in my life. So how do we do that? Well, sometimes we have to stop and remember so we can stop and thank God. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to someone next to you. I want you to finish the sentence, I'm thankful for Praise God tonight. Go ahead. Turn to someone and say, I'm thankful for. What are you thankful for tonight? Shout it out. What are you thankful for? Say it. You got to say it loud. I don't have good ears. Your mom. Thankful for moms. My mom gets to come up and share after this. That's good. What else? What are you thankful for? Each other, friendship, yes, me too. What else? The chapel, amen to that. God's creation. How do we praise God tonight? Shout it out. Grace, amen to that. Food, I'm always thankful for food, oh yeah. Mary's cookies, let's go. That's why I come to Renewed. What else? What are you thankful for? Friendship? Worship, amen to that. Give me one more. Grandchildren, friends, I heard this one over here. What'd you say? Kids. Sometimes. (laughs) 
How many of us, when we were maybe coming in here struggling tonight, all of a sudden flipped that to joy when we stopped and were thankful for what God has truly given us? Sometimes we just need a perspective change. But I'm not saying that you walk around happy because what are we walking away with tonight? It's okay not to be okay. And so James says this, if you're suffering hardships, what should you do? You should pray. All of us, what we have in common, no matter your religious background, no matter your beliefs, no matter where you've come from in life, no matter how much money you have, what we all have in common is we are or have or will suffer hardships. I know people in here whose marriages are struggling. I know people in here who are struggling to make ends meet. Talking about kids, some of us have great relationships with our kids, others of us don't. There are so many things in life where we're just trying to figure out how to get through it. That we're like, amen, so it's okay not to be okay because I'm not okay. So what does James say to do when we're not okay? He says to pray. Now, praying simply is having a conversation with God, both talking and listening. But if you're like me, sometimes people tell me to pray, but I don't know what to say. So how do we pray? Well, one of my favorite authors, Tim Keller, puts it this way. Some prayers in the Bible can look like an intimate conversation with a friend. Others like an appeal to a great monarch or king. And others like a wrestling match. How true is that? If you want to know how to pray, sometimes we just need to approach God like he's our friend. There are friends in my life that I'm texting back and forth all day. My wife, some of my other friends, we're always in touch. That's what God wants us to do with him. We don't have to have magical language or how, thou, shall, whatever. You just be you like you're talking to a friend. If you're struggling, just talk with him. Other times, it's approaching him like a king and saying, God, I bow down to you. I'm going to just give myself to you because you're on the throne. And other times, it's like a wrestling match. It's a war. I mean, we're fighting with God. God, this is what's going on in my life. God's fighting back with you. Well, here's my will. And we're going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. That's prayer. God wrestling his will into our life, us wrestling our desires into his presence. It's back and forth. If you're suffering, you can pray. It doesn't matter if it's like a friend or like to the king or it's like a wrestling match. Just talk with God and pray because he wants to hear that you're not okay and he wants to help you. How's your prayer life? How's our conversation with God going? What does it look like on a daily basis? If the how is, however we're feeling at that time, what does it practically look like? One of my favorite characters in the Old Testament, his name is Elijah. And James talks about Elijah and how he prayed. Look what it says in verse 16 through 18. It says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, if you want to look at Elijah's life, go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. It talks about Elijah's incredible prayer life. Sometimes I look at Elijah's prayer life, I look what he did, and I'm thinking, I can't do that. 
But the key in this verse isn't about being a superhero Christian. The key is when it says Elijah was as human as we are. It meant Elijah was flawed. It meant Elijah struggled. It meant Elijah didn't pray all the time like he should. Elijah was a person like you and I going back and forth with God, back and forth in life, struggling, and yet he believed that prayer worked. And he kept praying and praying and praying. It wasn't about the results. It was about the relationship. And when you and I are going through life, as cliche as it sounds, if we're not in touch with God, then something is going to be even more wrong than it already is. For he should be our strength. He's our go-to. If it's okay not to be okay, as long as we're not being okay to him. So pray. I want to give you guys just a few moments in silence. Would you just approach God as your friend, as a king in a wrestling match? Just approach him just like Elijah did. He was just a human, just like you and I are. But let's approach him together. Let's just take a few moments just to pray to him right now. Jesus, I, I imagine you hearing children names being raised to you and relationships being raised to you and future dreams being raised to you and our depression and our loneliness raised to you right now, our hopelessness raised to you right now, our singleness raised to you right now. So many things, God, are coming to you and we acknowledge you as friend and we acknowledge you as king. Lord, it's okay not to be okay, but as long as we're not being okay to you and we trust you because that's what Elijah did. Help us to trust you in your name. Amen. The passage before this says this in verse 14 through 15. It says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Our sickness, whether that's a physical ailment or a diagnosis or maybe it's a mental illness, whatever those things are we're going through, I promise you, your sickness will draw you towards God or away from God. Many of you know I have debilitating back pain, was having some back issues even right before I came up here, and it led me to Jesus. Other times it doesn't. We are called, though, to go to God, and one of the ways we go to God is through the elders who are the leaders of the church. The elders of the church are myself and our pastoral team and then some other volunteer people in the church. And God says if you go through them and let them pray over you when you're not okay, then something powerful can happen. So I want to just share a picture of my friend Todd. This is Todd's sport. Todd and Stephanie came in in August and the elders got to pray over him. My friend Todd's only a couple years older than me, but he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he came in, and his wife came in, and we prayed for him, and we believed in prayer, and we believed that God would heal him, and we prayed, and then he had a very long surgery the following week or two. Had the surgery, the surgery went well. And then a couple days ago, this was the picture he put up on Facebook, praising Jesus that his cancer is gone. I don't know if it was the prayers of the church. I think that had a part of it. I don't know if it was just his doctor. I think it had a part of it. 
but we're not okay and we believe God in prayer, even through the elders, something powerful can happen. So if you're ever feeling sickness or oppression or something's going on in your life, our elders are here for you. In fact, we do elder prayer from time to time, and we're due to have another time of prayer. And so listen to the church t- uh, announcements when we're announcing that. We're going to make sure to do that in the next couple of months. But if we're not okay when it comes to our health circumstances, maybe we're waiting for a miracle like Todd had. It's okay not to be okay. God can do some amazing things, and we trust him with that. Finally, I'm wondering if some of us are struggling like this. It says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Some of us aren't okay because of our life choices lately. I don't know about you, but at home, we have a junk drawer. Does anybody have a junk drawer at home? Maybe it's a junk closet. Maybe it's a junk car. We all have that place where we just shove things in, right? I am not joking. I went into that junk drawer today, this afternoon. I pulled something out, and it was like this glob of wires and and other stuff that we had. And it's like that when we close the junk drawer, these things start fighting and tangling up on each other. And you pull out this big glob, and all I wanted were like headphones, but I couldn't untangle the headphones because they were connected to a charger, which was connected to a daughter's necklace that was connected to something I didn't even know we owned. I mean, it was just a big blob. And oftentimes, that's how our hearts feel, doesn't it? It's just a glob. It's a mess. And we're trying to get it all situated, but it's all stuck together. And we can't peel it apart. Because lots of times in our lives, when we do something that we shouldn't, what the Bible calls sin, we don't live up to God's standard, and we want to live our life that way, oftentimes our heart are a tangled mess. And we're not okay because of our life choices. Not maybe what happened to us because of suffering or sickness, but what we've done to ourselves. Some of us aren't okay because of that. But God has a plan for that. You know what that plan is? It's called grace. If you're not okay because of what you've done, guess what? Jesus did something better. He went to the cross. He resurrected three days later. Jesus doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's all the gospel, the good news. And so we can confess our sins to Jesus and he forgives us. That mess that's in our heart, he will untangle it perfectly. But Jesus says, look, I'm even going to make it better. Not only will I forgive you, why don't you go to someone that you trust? Go to a friend. Go to someone who loves Jesus. And tell them what's really on your heart. I mean, just give them the tangled mess And allow him or her to untangle it for you. And then that person can say, look, God forgives you. He loves you. Let's start over. And you and that person can work it through with Jesus at the center. That's the greatest thing about God. That he's okay with us not being okay. And whether it's guilt, whether it's sickness, or whether it's suffering, As long as we bring it to God, we're going to be okay. And over the last four and a half years, I've gotten to see my mom do that. As you're going to hear her story of how she lost her husband and my stepdad, she hasn't been okay all the time. But God's okay with that. And God's been using my mom in a really special way. And so I'm going to pray for them, and then I'm going to invite Mary and my mom Barb up to share her story. So, Lord, would you just give uh, my mom and and Mary just the right words to say? Give us the right ears to hear. And, Lord, just through what my mom wants to share, through even suffering, how you have shown her that it's okay not to be okay. 
and how you've worked in her in a powerful way, Lord. Teach us something through her struggles so that can help us through ours. We pray in your name. Amen. Mary and Barb, let's give a round of applause. I just need everybody to know I am not my son. How in the heck do I follow that? I don't know where he came from. It's not me. This is not me. This is way out of my comfort zone. But you know, she said somebody came up to her recently at church and said, "Oh, Barb, I, I just think you're just like your son." So, <laughs> no, not at all. No, no. <laughs> No, I don't know how he does this, especially yeah. now being up here. Wow. I know. It's a little bit different, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes. Looking the other yes. Way, but yes. Fine. I'm going to be. I'm grateful. I have mm-hmm. a lot of family yeah, and friends that came tonight for me. So. Yes. Really yes. 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 And I'm thinking of when Spoken started, because you and I, about a month ago, mm-hmm. I um, approached you at the last renew. Right. And, right. And um, in my small group. Long time. So I was married for, am I talking too long? I was married for 20 years to, I mean, everybody that knows him, to one of the nicest, most amazing, kindest men you ever want to know. I was very blessed. And so on June 20th, 2017, my husband had retired at the end of December the year before. And he was, of course, helping everybody like he always did. I was still working. Um, that morning, I always went in very early, so I was leaving for work about 6.15. He was still in bed, and I was trying to sneak out of the bedroom, and then he was, wait, come back here. And so I did. And, um, you know, he just said, oh, you're so beautiful. And then we just he just told me he was going to help my neighbor that, mor- that morning and that he'd see me at our grandson's football game or baseball game that night. And I said, okay. And then he took my hand, and, you know, I gave him a kiss, and he said, I love you. I said, I love you. I turned around and I never saw him again. So I went to work. And um, the weird thing was, even for many years, I always called him, texted him, or emailed him every morning around mid-morning. And my phone rang. It was on my desk. And uh, I picked it up and I looked and it said, Scott. And I looked at my, it was like 11 o'clock. And I thought, oh, shoot, I never called him. And I said, hey, hon, what's going on? And this man said, do you know... Um, someone with a green and black motorcycle, and this is his phone. And I said, yeah, that's my husband. And I said, what are you doing with his phone? And he said, well, he's been in an accident. And I came upon the accident, and I picked up his phone out of his um, motorcycle, and I just called the last number. And I said, well, that's my husband. I said, is he okay? And he said, his leg is hurt really bad. And I said, okay, well, can I talk to him? And he said, no, I, I can't. And then 
next thing I know, State Highway Patrolman took the phone and said, well, an ambulance is on the way. And I only thought his leg was hurt. And I said, well, just have him go to Fisher-Titus. And he said, I'll call you right back. So in the meantime, I tried to call Eric, but he was in a meeting, didn't answer. I tried to call my sister. She was golfing, didn't answer. And I thought, well, I'll just see them at Fisher-Titus. So then the State Highway Patrolman called me right back and said that life flight was on the way. And I just said, well, why is life flight on the way? Anyway, um, he said he's gravely injured. And... Um, we're taking him to Toledo. So then I called Paula, and she got a hold of Eric. And then I just texted my sister, Scott, accident, life flight. And anyway, Eric came, and the state highway patrolman called me back and said, we're changing plans. We're taking him to Firelands Hospital. But they didn't know who he was because somebody had taken his wallet off of him when he was on the ground. So thankfully, that man was like an angel and called me from the or else they wouldn't have known who he was. And um, so we got to the hospital, and Life Flight just landed and never took off because they worked on him, but they just they couldn't save him. And before, I, didn't, I thought he was okay, though. And, you know, all of a sudden, all the pastors from the chapel were coming around, and they were in the room, and my friends and my family, and I just thought, we got to get to Toledo. What is that, you know? And then all the doctor and everybody walked in and said, you know, your husband, you know, he didn't make it. We tried, but, you know, he just didn't make it, so. You heard that news. Um, you, you know, you shared your pain because something just happened in your brain and it was just too much. Yeah, I just, I mean, because he was fine. He was healthy. He was totally fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, he was gone. Just, I couldn't. I just couldn't understand it. I, and they wanted me to go look at him, and I don't know, I just, I just didn't understand how he could be gone, you know. So that moment in time changed your life forever? Yeah, it was that phone call completely shattered my heart and my, my life. So loved. There was so many people that loved him so dearly, and um, it was just such a tender funeral. And I've done so many, but um, you could just feel um, that it just felt wrong. Right? Yes, that right. he was gone was like very hard to understand because he was so full of life and so kind and so generous with his time. Stepdad to Eric, he yes. was a loving grandfather to your kids, yes. and it just really didn't make any sense, did it? No, no, and like I shared with you, because I was saying God had it from the, from the moment that man called me from the road, because if he had not called me, I wouldn't have been to the hospital because there was no ID left on him, and they didn't know who he was, so I wouldn't have gotten there till much later, or maybe the next day, I'm not really sure, but... Um, when we were leaving the hospital, there was this is the next thing God placed in my life was there's a state highway patrolman stopped me and he said, 
And the funny thing was, I didn't even know what happened. I mean, I knew there was an accident, but I, I didn't know whose fault. I didn't even know what happened to him. Nobody told me, and I didn't even, never even dawned on me to ask. But he asked, he said, can I talk to you for a minute? He said, just, if you remember nothing else from this day, you know, I've done this for 25 years, but this was a pure accident. The man, the man that killed your husband, there was no alcohol, no drugs, there was no texting. And when I got there on the scene, this man was down on the ground next to your husband because he, and we had to lift him and carry him to his car because he couldn't even walk. And um, I, I, I can't even tell you what that meant for that state highway patrolman to tell me that because instantly, I mean, in my heart, I, I, I didn't even know what the man's name was or anything, but I just instantly forgave him even for walking out of the hospital that day. And you really, at that moment, didn't even understand the impact no. of that conversation for you. No. It was going to have right. down the road. Right. You were in the beginning of the process of just beginning to even understand that Scott was gone, that your life had changed. There was so much sadness and so much grief for you to go through Right. For many days and after years to come. Right. And it's not over yet. No. Um, and especially at the beginning because it's so hard and you get past the funeral and you you know, you get through all that and then um I thought I was okay, but pretty much two weeks after he died, you know, I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't suicidal, but one night I sat up all night long, and I just sat at, at my table, and I thought, if I pray hard enough for God to take me so I could be with Scott, he's a good God, and he'll listen to me, and he'll, he'll take me. And I stayed up all night and waited, but he didn't take me because he had other plans for me. Yeah, at that moment I knew I needed help, mm -hmm. more help than I could get from family or friends. Yeah. And so what Eric kept saying was, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Yes. And that lasted for a long time. Right. Not being okay. I no. went out, in and out of being okay and not okay. And right. that really is, is the process, isn't it? Yes. kind of grief that you're in. Yeah, because, and, and I mean, I've lost my parents and I've lost two of my some of my closest friends to cancer, so I'm, you know, I, I know grief, but, but losing my husband was like nothing, nothing I was prepared for, your soulmate, somebody that you spend every day with, you go home alone now, you know, your life's just so lonely, it's just, you know, you just miss your person, and um, so I knew I needed help, and I, I got into counseling, pretty intense counseling, and I did counseling through hospice, private counseling for a year. I met with Pastor Dave a couple times, which he was an angel too. And um, yeah, counseling was very, very, very big for me. And you shared with me also about it. Like what um, a dark time that that was, that you just fought to get out of the darkness. Yeah. But it was heavy inside. Right. It was so dark. It's... And, that are here know it's so dark and it's so you just don't see any light there's just no light nothing you know but once I realized that you know I wasn't going to die that night 
I had to figure out, you know, how to live and how to keep moving forward. And I had a lot to live for. I have, you know, a wonderful son and daughter-in-law and four grandchildren that I adore and they're all my joy. And uh, so I just had to, I had great friends, great family, a great support system, but you still go through it alone. You still have to work hard and, um, and go through it. And it's never linear. It's, you know, some days are good and some days are really bad. And even to this day, so I still have bad days, you know, of course. Um, but... Uh, and even if it's right about that time, um, when um, Scott went home to be with the Lord, that, that Paula had found out that Amber was on the way. She had just found out, they had just found out, I think it was a week before Scott died, but didn't get to tell Scott yet. And, you know, they had just, they told me, and so she never got to meet Scott, but the, the boys especially, they adored him. We still sit around now. I couldn't do it for a few years, and we watch videos of the boys, and they love to sit and watch them, you know, but... Um, but God, in his miraculous way, continued to give you reasons to go on. Right, and, and that was because I, I, I really, I grew up Jewish, um, I was confirmed at 14 in, in the temple. I really, I didn't know Jesus at all. I didn't even, I mean, I knew God, of course. Um, didn't really know the Bible, you know, the Torah. But um, so I decided to Google grief in the Bible. And there's so many, so many passages, so many things. And so I just put those on post-it notes and I put them everywhere, at home, at work, at my car, everywhere. And the more I read them and the more I, I just constantly prayed to God, help me. I mean, help me get through this day. Because there's, there's really no one else that can truly help you. And he was pursuing you. And in those right. earlier days and years, it was kind of harder to see it. But that's something that we talked about as well. As you began to move slowly mm -hmm. forward, slowly out of the darkness, you could Right, I did because Eric found yeah. my mom actually, and Brenda started coming sooner than that, and then Eric started coming when he was about 16, so I started coming here because I really didn't know anything. Yeah. I, so you know, Jewish, right, right, right. And but when I started coming to the chapel, I just felt so at peace. I mean, immediately I just, you know, learning about Jesus and learning about the Bible, and it's just, it was totally different for me. It was something I never knew growing up. He started coming, yes, he's, he used to go many years ago, and then he started coming back because Eric was a pastor here, which is okay, but um, yeah. So that was really special for right. you as well. Right, right, it was, yeah, it was very special. And yet you still were not okay. No, I was not okay. I just, yeah, I just, yeah, you just, one day at a time, but, you know, for anybody that's lost their spouse, you just know, like, the one person that's your person, you know, it's, 
you know, you go home and it's so lonely and you have no one to call to really talk to. You don't, you know, it's just, it's just hard. It's hard to not do life with the person you love anymore. No, you do not want it to be. No. Yep. Yeah. I have a lot of friends, a lot of close, good friends. Yes. Yes. Thank you. greatly affect my me as a human being was greatly affected I I always tell people I don't wish grief this kind of grief on anyone but I wish the perspective on everyone because you know I and I worked I was a manager of a big busy urology practice and I love my doctors and I love the staff but about six or seven months after Scott died I just had no joy in my job any longer I just and I knew if I didn't have joy and my heart wasn't there, it wasn't fair to the doctors or the staff. And so um, about, I also went through a wrongful death lawsuit that was horrible for about eight or nine months. And after that settled, I just, um, I just said I have to, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. I just knew I couldn't, couldn't do that job anymore. And so I, and plus I worked like 50 or 60 hours a week. And I never got to see my grandchildren, who are my true joy now. So I, um, I retired at the end of uh, 2018, about a year and a half after he died. And um, it was the best thing I ever did because I got to spend so much more time with my grandchildren and I got to see them all the time, family, um, volunteer. I just want to help. I just still to this day, I just want to help people. My heart is just about helping people in any way I can. Um, <laughs> But that's just like God's put it on my heart so much. I can't even tell you if you, if you seriously sit and I, I don't even watch TV. Everybody goes, you know, I say I don't watch TV. I read. I read a ton of grief books. I, um, you know, I just just meditate and prayed. And if you do that, you literally can hear God telling you what He wants for your life and whether what some things I didn't think I should do. Didn't, it didn't, but he just kept saying it, you know, and um, so I just, you know, I just feel like that's all I want to do now is just, I would help anyone, you're anyone. Trusting, you're trusting the Lord. I mean, many people were stepping back at that time, and you were stepping forward. Well, and the funny afraid. thing was, but, and I wasn't afraid because I, and I know a lot of people did, but I thought, well, you know, if I get COVID or whatever, I just, the God kept telling me to keep going. What I didn't know was that I had long-term antibodies from COVID from January of 2020. I still have them, although I'm vaccinated. So here God really had me protected. Right. And I think that's why I felt fine. I just said, I'm, I'm going to do all this and, right. you know, and expose my, but if I do, I do, you know, but right. God actually had me and I didn't know it. Many people, but it also began to help you. Yes. 
So if there's someone out there, there probably is that is um, able to, on some level, resonate with this story, or someone, you know, that um, is a teacher. Right. So what is something that you have learned that you would say to somebody like you that's going through right. devastation? Right. I, I would just say, I mean, I mean, everybody's different, and everybody deals with grief different and different different uh, griefs, but taking one day at a time just to, um, I mean, for me to read books on grief, to I join grief, private grief groups on Facebook. I know people think social media is a bad thing a lot. I'm telling you, that's one thing that helped me. Yeah, there's so many people out there and they're afraid, and like I was afraid, but you, you had each other to talk to on these private grief groups. Um, that and uh, once you finally get farther and farther down the road and you keep moving forward in your life, never forget because so many people, they go to the funeral and then they, they write a card and I was this person, I was this person, you write a card or you, you know, and then they forget about you. People go on with their lives, which I get, I totally, truly get, but if, if, if anything, even to follow up and, and to keep checking on that person, even a text, you know, a card, and you don't have to say, you don't need words to say, there's no words that are going to make you happy or just say, I care about you. Um, go for a walk, take them to lunch, just keep checking in on them for at least the first year. Just don't forget about them. I think that's the biggest thing. Definitely. I am. I'm sharing that walk with some friends of mine who recently lost their husbands. One of my close friends is right here who just lost her husband. And um, it's a beautiful um, gift that you're giving because, you know, I always say, you know, pain, God uses pain in our life, and we don't want pain. No. We resist the pain, but he never wastes a minuscule of that pain. He right. uses it. He wants to use it like a school monster to us, to teach us, to change us, to transform us, to become more like him. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it does. It comes through the pain. So I would really like to finish up the story today with something that you were adamant about talking about. And that is um, you had um, referenced that you had gone through um, a radical death. Uh, right. What happened? What was the, the big outcome of that that was such a the thing, the man that killed my husband, his name was Adam, and it was like the, the man told me, it was a complete um, accident, and um, so he was charged with, I think it's called vehicular homicide, I'm not 100% sure, but so he went to court in October, four months after my husband died. I couldn't physically go, I just was too emotional, but my brother, Ben, was my lawyer, and uh, which my brother helped me through the wrongful death lawsuit, and he helped me through, I don't know what I would have done without him, but um, he went to court for me, and he represented me, and the one thing I said to him is, it, whatever happens there, you have to look him in the eye and tell him that I forgive him, and I want nothing to happen to him. I don't want him to go to prison. He was a young man in his 30s. He had young children. 
He owned a big business, so all these people were, worked for him. They had families. And so my brother got to the court, and he walked in the room where Adam and his lawyer were. And um, he said the first thing he looked at him, he said, this is a shadow of a man left sitting there. And so he said, Adam, I just want you to know I'm, I represent Scott Livingstein and his wife, Barb Livingstein, but I'm also Barb's brother. And he said he just completely lost it and fell right down on the table. And my brother said, I need to tell you that, um, that you know, my sister forgives you. And she needs this. It's important that you know this, you know. And if nothing else happens today, she needs for you to know this. And he said, well, I can't forgive myself. And so he said, well, you have to. You have to move forward. My sister has to move forward in life. And she knows it was just an accident. And also, she wants nothing to happen to you today. She doesn't want you to go to prison. Um, so my brother and his lawyer went in front of the judge. Now, he's from Pennsylvania, so he... And all of his family had filled the court, came from Pennsylvania to see, say goodbye to him because they thought he was going to prison, of course, from there. And so my brother and his lawyer went before the judge, and my brother stated to the judge that, you know, I'm the lawyer, but it's also my sister, and she doesn't want him to go to prison. She doesn't want anything to happen to him. And the lawyer said, well, you can't do that because he's charged with vehicular homicide. He said, the only way I could do that, and he said, is to put it down to, I think it's called a misdemeanor, I'm not sure what you call this, but um, he said, I won't do that without your sister's okay, so you go out in the hallway, you call, call your sister, and you tell her, make sure that she understands what this means, that he basically will walk out of here with his license, with, you know, and it's okay if she doesn't want to do that, so my brother called me, and he said right away, don't, don't think you have to make a decision, because you think, you don't think about him, you think about you, you know, and what you don't have Scott anymore. You have to remember all these things. And I said, Ben, that's, I want him to be set free. I, I don't want him, I don't, I want to forgive him completely. I don't want him to go to prison and please have the judge do whatever he can do. So we went back in and told the judge and the judge said, I think he said something like, in all my 27 years, I've never done this before, but I'm going to. I've, I've never heard a story of forgiveness like this. So he he made it so he only, he got one year probation and nothing else, and he told him he was set free. And then my brother, he, everybody, he said everybody's crying, all the family, and he just went down, and all the family came up, but Adam's mother came to my brother and hugged her and said, can you tell your sister something? He said, no matter what happened here today, we have all been praying for your sister. So here they are in Pennsylvania praying for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I've never wavered on my forgiveness for him. And it's all, it was all thanks to God, yeah. you know? And um, I'm just grateful that, you know, God put everything in place. Yeah. That I didn't have to live with hatred or anger in my heart, you know, to, because... He never meant to kill him. It was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful ending to Barb's story. Um, it's an ending, if you will, because you're still living it every single day. Yes. Um, you know, you just breathe the life of Jesus into that man, and it's a 
him, you know, that it could have went a, a lot differently, but because of the grace of God that he put into you, Barb, just to be able to genuinely 100% forgive that man, you changed his life forever. And um, it, that's, that's, a, that's an amazing, heroic thing that you did. So, and getting up here today was an amazing, heroic thing. Well, I just, I feel like if, I mean, if you can see me here now four years later, if you would have seen me four years ago, I was a shadow of myself. Yeah. You know, I didn't eat, I didn't sleep, I didn't, I barely got through life, you know, day by day. But if I can do anything just to give hope to those who are grieving that, um, you know, with, you know, thankful to God, you know, to be with me every single day and bring me through every day that there is hope. There's hope for joy. There's hope for a life again. story of your goodness and your grace and your love for her. And God, sometimes um, we don't understand why things happen. We absolutely would never understand why you took Scott apart from that you have a purpose for everything that you do. And so it's okay to not be okay. And I want us to remember that, um, that Barb is up here and maybe she looks okay at moments, but really the struggle is real, and she's still very much walking through it, but she's walking through it with you. And so I thank you, God, for the growth that I see and for the um, hope that she brings to this stage today. For every woman that's come into the room, Lord, let her walk out knowing that you care and that, um, that if they have had things in their life that they don't understand, God, help them to turn to you and to ask you for the help that they need. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for this night and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so proud of my mother-in-law. <laughs> That's so awesome. I tried to get Eric up here. I was texting him last minute to come up and close and he said he just can't do that. But I just want to say that um, just to see what God has done in Barb's life in the past four years has just been incredible. Um, and she's always been like a classy, amazing lady from the time that we walked in to say our goodbyes to Scott and um, till now, but to see her faith grow has been incredible. And I know that when you lose someone, you can become bitter or you can become better. And Barb is like the living testimony of growing in her faith and becoming better and um, being real and honest about how she feels. She's got a great group of women right there, <laughs> um, family and friends, but it's also a really great reminder to me that we just can't do life alone. Um, I wasn't exactly in Barb's shoes, but I was a daughter-in-law with kids at home, and their grandpa just died, and I'll never forget when I got the call and that I had to go to the hospital and um, say goodbye. And, you know, I went, and I walked in, and there's all the pastors, which was beautiful. They said nothing. They just stood there, and their presence was a presence to us. And then when I came home, my people showed up. My small group at the time had come over within minutes. I wasn't there. My mom was there with my kids. Donna Gassett, who was a, a mentor friend to me, was there with a spread of strawberries on my dining room table, just sitting there ready to talk to me. And it's just a reminder that um, we, we just can't do life alone. Barb's not doing life alone. Look at her crew. <laughs> I mean, it's a fourth of the people here. It's amazing. So just that encouragement for you, because when life gets really hard and when you go through things like this, it's who's next to you. 
in life. And that's what we're going to keep going forward in our next series and being challenged in that way. So I encourage you to come back next week, get plugged in, hear what we have to say, and be encouraged. So thank you for coming, and I hope you have a great night.